It's go time. Welcome everyone to Quick Kicks here on Third Down Gamble. I'm Don Charbon. And joining me from the Turf District is Andrew Hoskins. And Andrew, it's always great to have you on the show. It's just, boy, we've got a tough topic to go over tonight. That, that we do. And th- thank you again for having me back on. And I know it's only been uh, a couple of weeks and we got, but man, still it's lots of stuff to talk about. Wish it was better, but that's okay. We'll find a way. We'll find a way to get through this very, very difficult topic. We titled the last time the three of us got together, that would be uh, Heath Graham and Pat Mooney, the ratio. And we're still, it seems to be, stuck on that with this current uh, collective bargaining agreement negotiation that's going on that's right now hitting almost, I would consider, a flashpoint. Yeah, I I think that's fair to say. I think we... We all got excited last week, right? There was a deal and we thought, okay, this is just a formality. They need to get through the ratification and we're going to be gone. We're going to be ready to go. We're going to have football games back again. Everyone's happy. Seven-year deal. This is going to be amazing. Um, And then on Monday, we hear they have not ratified uh the the deal and um i don't know about you but i was really initially when i heard that i was just really frustrated because we've been saying it for so many weeks that it's like they can't afford to not play football like they they didn't have a season in 2020 they had a shortened season in 2021 they just can't afford to go more time without football. Now we have this that we have to cross over. Does sound like we are get they are talking again today and but I think the CFL and rightfully so is saying okay, well get the this latest offer to a vote or it's going to get uglier faster than we'd like it to. I, I get the sticking points, and we'll talk about the sticking points. To, boy, oh boy, I wish they, I wish we were talking about having a deal. You and me both. The way I described it, and I happened to be doing an interview at the time when this news broke, and I couldn't do anything with that show. It's going to come out later. I was watching my phone just blow up and go, oh my goodness, they've voted it down. Totally within these players associations right Mm -hmm, absolutely i didn't expect it to be coming because after you negotiate as a committee and you get your player reps from each team informed of what was going to happen you would think that they're going to turn around and say okay we understand this we're going to relay the message we've got a deal let's go forward chris ackie and david mackie were vocal against it from montreal and british columbia respectively totally within their right as well Aki, to his credit, said, I'm not influencing my team. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying my piece. The vote came out. We'll never really know how wide a margin it was, although we heard that the Elks were going to be the last team to vote, and even by that point, the vote was over, relatively speaking, because the numbers had indicated that that's the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. When you have that pushback coming from the Players Association, 
it really opened up a can of worms in terms of interpretations. Of course. First, Brian Ramsey, Solomon, Elamimian, Adam Big Hill. You turn and you go, what did we just accomplish? Or did we accomplish anything? You're Scott Mitchell and you're the CFL negotiating team. You look at this and go, well, hey, I thought we had a deal. Now what am I supposed to do? And this really kind of opened up a whirlwind of activity in a sense because you had one side saying this is not a done deal we our members are not happy but not stating well what their next offer would be and the CFL almost coming back with a all right we'll meet you part of the way but we're not meeting you all the way and here's our almost if I can phrase it this way a take it or leave it well to some degree absolutely I mean, we're at a point right now that if, uh, you know, if you're not releasing this podcast tonight, it'll be changed because it seems every every hour there's some new development of, of where this is at. The one thing that I will say is that there are a lot of details out there that we're not sure if it's the full details. And that definitely makes it difficult. And as fans, we just want to be talk about it we but we we want to talk about it because we want it done <laughs> so there's been a lot of things flying around um and then other people saying well that's not true and this is not this is not what's going on and and who actually knows because honestly it's a labor dispute that I, i'm neither the employer nor the player so i probably shouldn't really know but what i do need to know is get a deal done everybody that is a fan of this league although we're not wedded to the intricacies of negotiation, we do all want to see our team in action, our players, if you want to call it that, playing. And we want Canadian football. As much as they've been through a lot in the last three years, so have the diehards of the CFL, and everybody has shared in that pain. No 2020, short in 2021. Here we go, 2022, looks like we got a deal done, and then it's snatched away. Now, I'm not blaming the Players Association. It's just the, the optics are is that that's the way it played out. We don't know if the CFL had approved it or not. Right, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, we don't know that. And it's that, But it feels funny, like I spent all last week at training camp, and it felt so like we're back. And it felt so great. <laughs> it's like, yay, I'm back and I'm watching and here we go. I think as fans, it just felt like, and I, I know Kayla was saying this on our show this week. She said, well, I I, th- I thought the deal was done. That that was it. And now it kind of feels like they just yanked the carpet out from underneath me. And, and I'm kind of flying in midair, not knowing if I'm landing on you know cement or if we're going to land on a cloud like what's going to happen so i think as fans we're we're reacting to that to say come on like we had a deal get it done like why are we why are we having to go back and and so then lots of things are coming out well it's this or it's this or you know it's it's ratio it's ratification bonus it's you know there there's lots of different things you know what? I mean, I'm getting to the point where it's just like, okay, I really don't want to hear any more about it. I just want to hear, yes, we have a deal, and let's carry on and get back into some football. I'm certain if you look around at the uh, the CFL itself, 
you're probably hearing much of the same thing from players, from management. Enough's enough. Let's get it done. Let's let's find a way. Now, they are talking, as you indicated. The deadline is, I love this, midnight Thursday, which is technically Friday midnight, but whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It basically means if you walk back from it, it's 10 o'clock central, 9 o'clock on the coast. So it does give you some clarification as to what Midnight Thursday means. The league, I think by doing that, they're trying to get something accomplished so that the preseason goes ahead. Correct. Toronto can actually decide to book their flight on game day to get to Ottawa to start the preseason on Friday. Right now, the Argos have pulled back on going any earlier because they don't know what's going on and they don't want to keep flights reserved if they don't need them. And I don't blame them for that. Yeah, no, same thing in Edmonton. It's a fluctuating situation because we have the preseason game in Winnipeg on Friday. And Chris Jones said today after practice, you know, it's an hour by hour, minute by minute thing that, you know, they are saying, when are you flying out? We don't know. Thursday, we hope, at some point. And that that's all we know. <laughs> and as fans that have been missing everything, that's so hard to hear. Because <laughs> you're just like, but you have a game. Well, we don't know if we have a game. And so we don't know where that's going to pan out. I, I don't know. And, and I guess there is a possibility that that they could fly out Friday for a a Friday game. Definitely not ideal when you're trying to assess guys, you want to try and get there the day before and let them actually do their game day routine and be ready to go for the game. Um, Especially for guys who are trying to fight for jobs. You, You don't want, you don't want, you want to put them in as good a situation as you possibly can for them to show what they can do. On the other hand, I agree with you. The CFL is saying, Okay, well, we we need something in place so that we can get preseason going. Yeah, there are nine games that have to be played prior to the June 9th kickoff of the season. We haven't had a preseason in a few years. This is something hard to say, but unique (laughs) in a sense, because here we are with an opportunity to see if this will come to play. The timelines really get compressed once you have a contract that runs out in front of training camp and then is now being negotiated through training camp. The players have stayed in their respective cities. They are still practicing. As the discussions go forward in Toronto between the two sides, certainly there there is always that sliver of hope that you think that something's going to be happening that will make sense and be palatable. But let's get into the nuts and bolts of why it failed. You can point to two things that seem to have come out in different stories, whether it's via Dave Naylor or whether it's via Three Down Nation. They they seem to be hitting the same sort of notes. And that is the players were disappointed that there wasn't a signing bonus for the contract. A ratification bonus, yeah. Without that, then they thought, well, okay... That's not really what we want. Part two, though, is probably the bigger part of the equation, and that's that ratio discussion. Now, the CFL had come out with the hybrid formula. We'll keep seven. You get one naturalized American, but you have three subs up to 49% from the seven Canadian nationals that start 
three American subs that go in. They don't define if it's a per player, per game, per season. You just you don't have a clue how they're going to work it out. I had no idea how they're going to do it on the fly. Like there, I no idea. Like to me, that was that was the most confusing thing in the original offer. We do know that the NFL has. I think they're RFID chips, but maybe not. But they have something embedded in their jerseys that indicate who's on the field on a given play. That technology is not that difficult. You can certainly do it, uh, whether you want it in a jersey, on the in the helmet, w- whatever. It doesn't really make any difference. But then you could actually indicate these 12 are on offense, these 12 are on defense, and you can work your way through all the little plays in a football game. So there is a possibility that you could track all of this. But then when coaches are complaining that it's so hard to manage the Canadian ratio, trying to keep the right number of players on the right side of the line all the time, I can't see how this was going to get any easier for them. And I'm sure somebody would have had to have had an abacus marking, okay, that's play two, play three, play four. <laughs> How else would you do it? it? Because you have to, you have to do that with uh, almost a running total, I would believe. Well, the thing, like you said, though, they don't know if it was per game or per season. My thought on it when I heard some of the things coming back from some of the players was that, you know, a coach wouldn't, you know, hesitate to to switch out in a spot if they could. So, you you play eighteen games in a season. So you'd pick the nine games that you think are the most important to you and you'd line everybody up and then uh, a minute into the game, oh, that Canadian is hurt and in goes an American for that full game. And now you know it's 49% of the snaps because there's nine games, right? Instead of, And then there's nine other games where you don't do that and you just play with your Canadian. I, and I mean, I'm just making things up, but I, I that's what I had heard. And, and I can see where, okay, I can see where that would be frustrating. In my mind, it was just kind of a silly rule anyway, because how do you keep track of it in the long run? And, and I I'm not, so I wasn't really a fan of it. I think that was a big sticking point, And I can see where there would be a threat of, okay, well, now the ratio has gone from seven to four, right? And yeah, okay, we, we want to have Canadian players. I totally get it. Uh, that part I can I, I could wrap my head around. On the other hand, there was a ton of other concessions by the CFL in the original deal. But we can see where that would absolutely be a sticking point. The return, do you want to talk about, well, actually, let me ask you this question first. Did you hear anything coming up to this about a ratification bonus until it was voted down? No. Me either. There was no discussion whatsoever about it. I, I had no idea that was even a thing. I, I was kind of surprised by that. I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't even know that could be a thing. So I guess now if we move into the, the offer that has come back now from, this, from the CFL, where there was a, a total of a million dollar ratification bonus. So everybody is going to get a piece, small piece of pie somewhere there. And there was the change in the ratio now to say, okay, it's six Canadians and one naturalized American. But then they did claw some back in the, in the cap space. And I believe part of that claw back in the cap space, cap space was even for this year. So to me, that's some give and take there. Um, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you feel about that. I don't like, the we'll give you one here, but we'll take half of it back 
in the salary cap. I, I'm not a fan of that. If you're going to give them the ratification bonus, just give it to them and don't tie it to anything else because it's a two-parter for the CFL's offer. The first is, as you, as you rightly indicated, there's a $450,000 clawback of the salary cap in 2022. So that takes away 45% of that million. Then the other thing is, is that there's another 675000 in guarantees in 2028 that may be impacted as well. It all depends on how revenue sharing kicks in and how strong it is. Right. It may or may not mean anything. I, I found it interesting. It was almost, dare I say the word vindictive in a sense, that the CFL said, okay, you want that money? We're taking it back over here. So it's going to come out even for you anyway. How do you want to play this? Yeah, well, but I, I think the thing that uh, that we haven't said yet is that, and, and don't get me wrong, I want the players to get a good deal. I like the way that that was working. I, I, I liked that they were getting some increases in in revenue sharing and the salary cap was going to go up. And it's not in leaps and bounds by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't want to sound all... I'm on, you know, team CFL or T I don't want to do that. Cause I'm, I'm team play football. That's all I am. I really don't care about the rest, but the teams have gone through two really tough years too. I don't mind that because it's like, okay, here's your bonus right up front. Then we're going to claw back this much on the salary cap for this year. That will affect some guys, but any of the guys that vote to get the ratification are going to get a bit of a bonus, right? So they're going to, they're going to get something. The 2028 guaranteed money later on, well, how many of the guys right now that are voting on it are going to be affected by that in 2028? Very few. Very few. As far as I understand, and I'm not going to be professing that I'm an expert on this, <laughs> but as far as I understand, rookies did not vote on this. Correct. Yeah, because they're not, they're not part of the PA until they play a game. The PA decides who has the vote. That's their prerogative, their jurisdiction. The CFL has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. Depending on how rookies play out, whether there are more Canadian rookies or more American rookies, it could skew the vote one way or the other. I don't even know if that, is that really playing that much of uh, an issue that we don't know that. Like, that's the thing is, uh, it was reported early on that this was voted all down by Canadians, but we don't, we have no idea who voted what, right? I agree. Yeah. The two sides actually working together and saying it's in our best interest not to approve this mm -hmm. for different reasons. They may have a different idea of, of what needs to be done, and both are relevant and both are, are pertinent to their circumstance. I think there was guys on both sides that found a reason that they, that they felt they didn't agree with it. I was, I was really surprised by that being that the, the PA bargaining group had gone and they had got this deal and they had come back to their, to the player rep saying, we recommend that you sign. This is a good deal for us. This is the best deal that we've had in a very long time. Let's take it. And then it didn't get ratified. Now they have to go back to the players and say, so what, what, what will it take to get ratified? And now they're trying to get that. And, and, I'm hoping that in the midst of that, and I know you said this earlier, that to get that, what are you ready to give up? Because you're not going to get it all. That's not how 
these types of negotiations work. If it worked like that, that absolutely ludicrous offer that we heard from the CFL way back when, that's what it would have been. It would have been, well, okay, well, that's what you get. Too bad. Like, they get everything they want and, and, and the players get nothing. Well, obviously that's not the case. But the players can't go in thinking they're going to get everything they want either. There's going to have to be some trade-off. I doubt that the 450k and the 675 lasts through any agreement. I think that's almost a negotiation ploy by the Canadian Football League. We're carrying this big stick. If you come to the table and if you get an agreement. But here's the one thing that I wonder, though. And if you're any of the three that I mentioned before, Ramsey, Elamimian, or Big Hill, what is your mindset going back into that room because you had just worked your tail off getting a deal that you felt was good enough that you could recommend. Mm-hmm. Where is their status now? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know enough about unions or how that all works to even know, but you, they got to feel like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Like, do you know how much it took for us to get to this point? And... Uh, uh, so I'm sure they they feel a bit that way. I don't know if it's if it's me. I'm kind of like, wow. Now I have to kind of go back to the to the bargaining table with my tail in my hands. Like, okay, like this is what happened. Ugh. Okay, so how do we fix this, right? And now I hope that's the attitude. How do we fix this? You're right. The CFL might be a little more like, dudes, <laughs> you 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 had it. You had it. And you're, you're going down the path that I was hoping. The CFL looks at the people across the way and say, look, how do we trust you now? Right. We signed off on this. You said you could deliver, or you said that this was good enough that you would recommend it. Didn't happen. CFL right now is on the high ground in terms of the negotiation. But as you said, the, the Players Association representatives yeah. are... Well, they're, they're definitely caught between a rock and a hard place, that's for sure. Well, it's bad enough that they've got all these considerations based on nationality and and needs from both sides because they're, the Americans take a pay cut every time they sign a contract in the CFL because of the dollar. Right. So their needs are definitely different than the Canadian needs or anybody that stays in Canada. So that's tough enough as it is. But then to have this on top of it, you may say, okay, great, it's democracy in action. The players have voted their conscience. They have done what they felt they needed to do for mm-hmm. the reasons that they felt were justified. That's the message they send back with their representatives and say, you take that back to them and get this right this time. Yeah. The CFL has pulled away the the three, I'll call them DNA, the designated national uh, Americans. They've pulled that away. The 49%'s out of the way, so we don't need the abacus. But as you mentioned the change now is six Canadian starters, one designated American starter. I imagine, too, that brings back the designated import in this whole mix, that the designated import now will be, again, the player that replaces somebody that's an American on the field or plays special teams exclusively. Yeah, it could be, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm not sure how exactly they would figure that out, but I do know that I think there is a growing... Um, movement that I, I think we've all heard from other players throughout the last I want to say four years and and I know 
uh, and James Wilder Jr. had put it out, right? Is that I can, I can get you a, a good deal as an American running back. And so there was always that differentiator because of the ratio, which is, which is fine. And you have a ratio and you have to have guys in certain positions. Those guys are going to be valued more. Right. Uh, and, and I, I don't, uh, I don't entirely disagree with that. I think that's what they're trying to address with that change is that there is, okay, now there's these guys that have been around for long enough to be recognized as, as, as quote unquote Canadians. I mean, I, I think it's actually kind of funny when you think of guys like, um, Kyle Saxlid and, um, Oh my goodness, what's his name? The linebacker for the Stampeders that's now playing down south. Um, Singleton. Um, when you think of him, like the, uh, those guys are very quote-unquote Canadian. They, they, they never played here. They never lived here, but they now came back. Um, but now you've got Americans that are coming up here and actually moving here and creating lives here and have been in the same team for a number of years. So why don't we recognize that? Because... That deals with another issue, at least on the fan side of things, is that we, we want to have guys that stay here. We don't want to buy this guy's jersey to know that he's just going to be gone the next year. Like, we we want some continuity on the teams, and maybe maybe this helps with that. So, on the other hand, it is taking away a, a, a ratio spot. So, that that's where the conundrum comes, right? So, um, and, and I'm sure that that's difficult for them to try and figure that out. I think it's difficult for both sides. Each, I agree. Each side of the table is trying to come to terms with how are we going to make this work. There's all this chatter that the draft class gets smaller and smaller every year in Canada, but it's doing the same thing in the States. Right. The thing that I'm a little bit surprised that it doesn't get as much chatter is that there are two other professional leagues one already in play and the other one starting next year in the spring that are going to gobble up a lot of university athletes. Yep. Now, the CFL, in terms of its compensation package and especially the benefits that come with, is a far better opportunity. Do you want to leave your country to pursue work in another country? That's a big question for a lot of people. If you erode that pool... Yeah, I agree. I've had a thought... Just in terms of that designated naturalized American, that one spot, mm -hmm. that's going to be a really interesting person because what's the pay structure for that? Because you're the only one. Oh, yeah. The, the risk for the Canadians ultimately is if there's more Americans on the roster, the push to get the Canadians out of starting spots becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And if you just went by numbers alone, if all 20 Americans plus a quarterback started, there'd only be three Canadians on the field. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's why I, I, that's why I don't mind this six plus one. I, I don't mind it. I, I, I see what you're saying as far as the university side of things, but even outside of the university side of things, there's going to be a bunch of guys that don't want to travel to another country to play if they can play in their own country. I think there's an opportunity that they're that they were going to lose some American guys anyway to those other leagues when when they get going. To some degree, you want to have a little bit of a carrot up here for those guys that want to play up here because we have both good Canadians, we have great Canadian players, and we have great American players. And 
one of the things that I saw today was, well, if you honestly didn't know, if you if you had no idea what these players' passports were, would uh, sitting in the stands, would you automatically be able to tell who's who? And I would say a lot of times, probably not. Sometimes, yes. But probably not in the overall picture. You don't want to make it where... Unless you want to make it a completely Canadian league. But I don't think we have the depth of player to do that. Not in the next 12 months that couldn't happen. It would have to be a slow, incremental change back to the way it was. Yeah, even that. Are we going to have... Is is the league exactly the same? Because the pool is not as big across our country. I, I I love having Canadian players, and I love having the great Canadian players. 30 million people in an entire country <laughs> as compared to 300 million. And the pool is just... I, I don't know if it's big enough to to support nine and or hopefully 10 CFL teams that are... 100% Canadian. We have good players on both sides. I want to make sure that any player that has a chance to be here, and that improves our game. I'm not saying it's out of possibility. I'm just saying that I think I, I, I like the balance, but I want to. I, I don't mind having a bit of a carrot without getting rid of all the stability of having the Canadians there. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. Let's let's play this out. Let's say that the players reject the offer and the CFL and the CFLPA do not have a deal. Come Friday morning, are planes lining up on the airfield because someone's going home. The CFL has also said that they're not going to feed and house the players if there's no deal. Players be finding their own way home if that's the case. But if that happens, let's play this out. If the players go home, say, okay, there's we're not getting a deal. We're, we're heading out. We're not going to practice. We're not getting our room and board. We're out of here. Now the timelines exponentiate. Right. Absolutely. The first thing that happens is the entire preseason gets wiped out. And we know that happens right away. And then you're looking at probably a week to 10 days before they start knocking off games out of the season um, with the possibility of just canceling it. If that happens, I think that's a dreadful move for both sides. I, I think missing preseason games is a dreadful move for both sides because we we saw last year what happened with no preseason games. The game was not what we remember. There was lots of there was lots of good points, but it took the the first four games of the regular season were preseason games. Like let's not kid ourselves, they were they were not not well executed. Not we didn't have. Um, you know, um, prep time guys were not ready and you were, and there was a bunch of evaluation still going on. Well, are we going to keep this guy or not? Or how's that going to work? I, I think the loss of preseason games is huge. Um, we want to be able to evaluate these guys. We want to get 
the best guys on the field for each team and then line up and then you give them that first couple of games to gel. Right. And by week three, we're starting to see the, the game we love even wiping out the preseason, I think is, is a difficult move, but I, I, I think that's what happens if we don't have a deal in place. Each side has a way to apply a pressure point for the players. It's we go home it's going to take days for this to organize enough that we can come back. The CFL mm-hmm. says, okay, you go home. We may not have a season. Right. Now, I know TSN wouldn't be thrilled because that's a lot of programming that they have to fill all of a sudden. But you could apply that if you're the Canadian Football League. You could say, fine, go. And then you won't get paid this year. Wow. We, we looked at that with baseball. Remember how acrimonious the baseball negotiations were? And they f- did have to move around the start of the season, but they got the deal done. I can't in my mind's eye ever come to the idea that the CFL and the CFLPA wouldn't find a way. To me, it's, it's almost abhorrent because the risk is you may have nine governors that say, okay, we've had enough. Oh, I agree. I agree. And so I hope it never gets to that. I, I, I know we played it out because we want to we, we want to talk about it, but yeah, I hope it just doesn't get to that. I hope it gets to we, we have a deal on Thursday afternoon and people are flying out and ready to go. That's, that's my hope. That's, and that, that I'm, I'm still hanging on to that. I am too. I can't see how this deadline passes without an agreement. There's probably some hard negotiation still that needs to be done. Ultimately, each side wants to play football this year. For each, this is the demarcation line. You could you could really point to this as CFL 2.0 because this is charting the course for the next seven years, something that they rarely have ever mm-hmm. countenanced. It's also the the betting portion of life in the CFL. It's also genius sports. Of course. Yeah, this is it. They're 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 at that they're putting it all on the line. Like there's no doubt about it. Yep, absolutely. How do we want to define where we go from I here? I agree. And hopefully they find a way. <laughs> there's the title of the podcast. Hopefully they find a way. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something we really relish discussing, but no, absolutely not. There is a lot to be gained or lost here. Team play football. Let's go, guys. It's going to be an interesting 48 hours. And Stressful. I just want to see on 3downnation.com a banner going across, deal done, players have signed, governors have signed. It's football. I want to be listening to... to uh... Uh, the boys on on Friday night on the radio and and or even better, uh, Winnipeg streaming the home game for us so that we can watch it and uh, and and be able to enjoy that. That's what I'm hoping. Thanks, Andrew. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. The Turf District Podcast is your home, and where can they find you to follow you? Yeah, absolutely. On uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, it's just at the Turf District. And uh, you can join us on Monday nights on YouTube if you look on the Turf District. Uh, we do we record our show live on Monday nights, and you can be part of the chat, and uh, we answer some questions on the fly. 
and uh, we'll be weekly throughout uh, the whole please let there be a season podcasts usually come out on tuesday and you can find them anywhere you get your podcatchers from excellent thanks so much for doing this thanks man Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again at the Third Down Gamble podcast. Audio worth watching.